Hello and welcome to Untapped Magic. I'm Kat Northill. This podcast is all about having the conversations you'd have around the dinner table and asking how it is that successful individuals got to where they are today. This podcast aims to help you untap your magic within. Today, I'm lucky enough to sit down with Heather Miller. She's a CEO and the founder of an international movement called the Kindness Hub. She creates and facilitates youth programs for thousands of young people all across the globe, just like at Magic Moments, Youth Leadership and Business Summit that proudly sponsors this podcast. She believes that every stranger is a friend she hasn't met yet, my friend, Heather Miller. Hello. That is me. I am the ominous voice of Heather Miller. Such a pleasure to be here with you, Kat. Oh, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to sit down and, and have a deeper dive into who is Heather Miller. Now, I start every podcast by asking what has had the greatest impact on where you are today? So just a lighthearted question then to, to get started. You've got to love yeah. it. We, we all have that, that person in our life that they're like, oh, do you mind if I just ask you a question? And they end up asking you, like, can you tell me the theory of the universe and everything in between? And you're like, oh, my gosh, you're my best friend. <laughs> yeah, I'm that person. <laughs> yes, you are. And that is why we love you so much. The biggest impact on my life. I've been very, very lucky to have many things that popped to my mind when you asked me that question. And... To think that one is more important than another, possibly, it couldn't possibly, it couldn't possibly be the truth. It's just like when you have a puzzle piece, right? You need every single puzzle piece to make your puzzle a reality, to make that picture and that vision. And in my world and in my life, a lot of things happened early on that helped me decide who I want to be. And an amazing role model of mine has always said that sometimes your role models don't have to be people who you want to be like. They can be people that you completely don't want to be anything like. But the key is not to focus on the parts of them that you don't want to be like. So you should never focus on, oh, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be snappy. I don't want to. That's that's a waste of your time because where focus goes, energy flows. But you can focus on the opposite though, however. You can focus on that, like who do I actually who do I actually want to be? Okay. What's the opposite of being vicious or mean? Like, okay, it's kind and nurturing. And I had the great privilege of having a lot of examples of that when I was younger and choosing over and over and over again, what kind of person I want to show up as in the world. So I think the thing that I think of most when you ask me that is that when I was in school, I was and still is the weirdest kid in the history of planet earth. I'm sure we all think that of ourselves. <laughs> Just the strangest little goose nugget. I would literally go and collect people who didn't have any friends because I didn't want anyone to not have friends. So I'd collect them together and like try and play games to get them to be friends with each other. Like it was like the Pied Piper. It was kind of creepy, but in a, you know, in a really positive way. And for me, that was super important because I never really had friends when I was, when I was growing up. I, I had some very beautiful people in my life and some beautiful friends. Shout out to you guys. Um, but I was also bullied a lot. I got bullied quite heavily uh, in high school to a point where I actually couldn't leave the school grounds without being accompanied by someone else because I feared for my life. And 
it was moments like that and, and situations like that, that really opened my eyes up to, you know, if you want a life, you have to create it to be that way because the life that I'm looking around and seeing right now that's on offer is not the one that I want. It's not the one that I want right now. How can I create more magic in the everyday? And there's a moment um, I was sitting on a bus. <laughs> this is probably one of the, yeah, one of the moments I remember of my life most. I was sitting on the bus and I was being bullied at that time. And I checked the bus for the people who were bullying me and there was no one on the bus. And so I had this like sigh of relief, like, oh, like, cool, I can just go home. Like it's been a really long day of nonsense. And I got onto the bus and I sat on the second last seat. I don't usually sit towards the back of the bus, to be honest, because I didn't feel like I was gangster enough to do that, like, but I always wanted to be. And so I sat on the second last um, seat of this bus and I started listening to music and I wasn't talking to anyone, which was a, a bit rare for me because I, I really did like to talk to people, but I just felt really down that afternoon. And I just remember feeling this searing pain in the back of my head as the girl who was sitting behind me actually punched me in the back of the head. And oh my I, gosh, I had no idea that 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 was going to happen because she wasn't in my mind, someone who was a part of the people who were bullying me. But in that day, she decided that she wanted to be one of those people who were quote unquote cool as well, who wanted to bully Heather and she punched me in the head and it wasn't so much the pain that surprised me, but my reaction. And I honestly turned around to punch her in the face and my, every part of me wanted to punch this woman. Like that's all that I wanted. And my fist stopped maybe a couple of centimeters away from her face. And we had that moment of where there's nothing else in the world and eye contact together and my entire life flashed before my eyes truly my entire life flashed before my eyes of thinking about all of the dreams that I wanted to eventuate that I knew I couldn't make happen if I followed through with this instinct response it was like I was outside of my body watching myself as this was unfolding and as I as I sat there, um, my body did this weird thing where I started to laugh. Like my hands are still in front of her face. And I just started shaking and laughing because we have a response in our body, right? We have the fight or flight response and my body went to fight. And then my mind, brain, spirit, whatever it is, overrode that and was like, no, no, not today, Alfred. We need to live to fight another day. And my dream at school was to be a school captain, was to be on the student representative council, to make a difference, to go to university. Like I had all of these dreams. I had no idea how I was going to do them. You know, I, <laughs> I tried out for the student representative council, the SRC, uh, three years in a row. And I got laughed off the stage, two of them. Like not one single vote. Yes. <laughs> right. And I had so I had no idea how I was going to how I was going to eventuate these dreams, but I just knew I was going to keep going. And I'm sitting on the bus laughing like a crazy fruit loop person. I even scared myself. That's how much like I was laughing like this crazy person. And I just slowly pulled my fist back, turned around in my seat, and sat there, kind of like shaking. 
And this girl got up with her friend and they got off the bus because they were like, man, she is going to snap. Like, like that was a bit much. And I was like, you really should leave. Like I'm actually a hardcore crazy person right now. And I remember that moment because so often there is the instincts that show up in us of what we want to do in that, in that exact moment because of how we feel. And then there's also that beautiful um, space of grace that also shows up and allows us to, to transcend what that instinct is and actually remember what it is that we're here for and what we want to do and what we want to be despite the exterior circumstances. And it can be very, very, very hard to choose between the two of them. It can be very hard and difficult to hold your mind's vision of, of, of what you want. And you might not even know what you want, but you just have a feeling that, that the instinct is not it. And I hold that moment so steady to my heart because it reminded me and showed me from a very young age that I don't have to give in to the instinct of wanting to protect myself in such a vicious way. Like I get to protect myself in my own integrity. I get to be myself and stand for who I am in that moment. And later on after school, I actually found the girl who bullied me the most um she had left and i ran into her at the train station and as soon as i saw her i went up to her and i said hey how are you going like etc cetera, etc cetera. and she looked at me like what is wrong with you like you know when you can see it in their eyes they're just like what on earth is going on here yeah yeah <laughs> like are you crazy and I was like, how have you been? Blah, blah, blah. And I can see it's almost like the kettle starts to boil inside of another human being. You see the bubbles start to come into their eyes as they don't understand what's going on. And then she finally snapped and she said, why are you being so nice to me? Don't you know that I ruined your entire life? And I kind of just looked at her like, oh, I thought we were, I thought we were over that. Like, and I realized that it was, it was over for me because I had forgiven her and everything that had happened because it had helped me make me who I am. But she hadn't. She was still stuck way back, way, way back in those, in those cages of high school days. And I said to her, I'm like, you didn't ruin my life. Like, you helped me start it. You helped me start my life. You showed me everything that I don't want to be. And I chose the opposite. And who I am today is because of those little moments where I was given the opportunity to choose over and over and over again who I'm going to be despite the adversity, despite the pain, despite the challenges that presented themselves, choosing. And I think that that was, yeah, that was such an incredible moment for me in my life. Yeah, wow. To hear these moments that who make or break somebody and and you said that you, you chose in that moment to see your future and to choose your future over, you know, a life that could have been very, very different and you're at that fork in the road and it's so incredible to know that the Heather Miller we know in love comes from a place that wasn't necessarily where she was always going to be but it's incredible to see where you are now. And, you know, I think you should give yourself a pat on the back because, you spoke about in that moment all the things you wanted to achieve. You mm. wanted to go to uni, you wanted to finish high school, all these incredible things. You know, you finished high school, you graduated high school, you graduated university, you were even a lecturer at said university. So you went on to do all those incredible things and more. 
it's funny because all I can see is that that's where the kindness hub came from. And I'd love for you to talk about where exactly did the kindness hub start? Where did it start? Well, a long time ago in a planet far away, there was a dinosaur and its name was Larry. No. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to have fun with these things. No, absolutely. The kindness hub started because because I wanted to be able to create pockets of goodness for people wherever I went. Really, it's an organization that exists to turn ordinary moments into extraordinary ones and to show people how to do that simply and easily. Like I was an awkward human. I still am. Like I was seriously an awkward human. And for me, making friends and reaching out to people is what I wanted, but I didn't know how. Like The person that I am And now I can confidently say that I have friends on every continent on planet earth and I could easily walk out of my house right now and go and speak to people and feel confident and loved and charming and et cetera and everything in between. And that wasn't always the case. That absolutely wasn't always the case. And when people meet me, they just assume that it is. They're just like, oh, you were born like this. You're just good at, you're just good at people. That's just what you do. And yeah, I am good at people and it is what I do, but it's because I practiced, I practiced so hardcore in the most intense training camp called my life. (laughs) I I remember walking up to these girls on the playground and being like, I'm like, can I play with you? And they all looked at me and they were like, no. (laughs) I looked at them like, okay, then I'll be over here. Like I remember those moments and I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're like me, you have these moments that exist for you as well. And I decided I wanted to be really good at it. I wanted to be great at talking to people and I wanted to be great at, um, at reaching out because I knew like me, the secret life that I led, it very much felt like a secret life because I, I didn't talk to teachers and I didn't talk to my family and I didn't, I didn't share these things that were going on for me in this secret life. People just thought that I was this happy person on the outside. And honestly, it's a bit of a trap. It's a bit of a trap to think that, you can just like, it's okay to just be this one type of person. That's not, that's not who we are. We are everything. We are sadness. We are anger. We are love. We are delight. We are magic. We are joy. We are all things on the spectrum and more. And I think that once we're able to accept that and then really authentically share those parts of ourselves with others, that's when you feel most alive. That's when I feel most alive anyway. And so I started getting to work with that because I knew that if I had this secret life where I would feel upset or sad or whatever it would be, then I knew that other people had that happening for them as well. And I thought, how can I be someone that is reaching out in my everyday life and practicing talking to people who feels like they don't want to talk to me? And so what I did actually is, so the neighborhood that I grew up in was like, it was the murder capital of Australia for many years in, in a row, like <laughs> many years in a row. Um, and, but still a glorious place filled with wonderful human beings. And the only challenge with, with that is that there were many times where I felt like I felt like I wasn't safe. I felt like I, I didn't fit in or I felt like there wasn't space for me. Like, when I was in primary school, I was walking home from school, which was not far away. Literally a white van tried to abduct me. 
Like, this is the kind of like, oh my, <laughs> this is the kind of weirdness we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, Kat, it was very, it's a situation. I never ran so fast in my life. <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't get oh to walk gosh. home anymore after that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's these, um, it's these moments though, these moments that shape your reality. And so growing up around all of these interesting things where you would see a drug deal happening and you just keep walking and just pretend like you didn't see anything because you don't want to get caught up in what's going on. I decided to focus on the opposite always. How can I bring more of the light and more of the good from where I am right now? And I went home like any normal person would. And I wrote out hundreds of cards, kindness cards, like on paint chips and on paper. And then at one point I even got like saved up my, um, uh, what do you call it? Like spending money and went and got some printed as well. And then I went and I put them in every single mailbox, these little kind notes that said something like, Hey, just wanted to, um, just wanted to say that you are important and you know, the world's happy that you're here. Love a stranger that cares. Or even if you're having a bad day, it, just remember the sun's going to come out tomorrow. Like, thanks for being here. Just these little, little tiny notes that were not like a little bit creepy, but not too creepy. You know, like, it's not like I was putting my <laughs> name on them. Like I was yeah. like, call me like none of that. Just like an anonymous act of kindness. And I went and put them in all of the mailboxes around my area because I wanted to walk in a place that felt safe. And I realized that if you want to be in somewhere in a place that feels safe, then you need to absolutely bring that out in the best way that you can. And I'm not saying that, of course, you can, you know, like if somewhere's unsafe, then it's your responsibility to change it. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that this was the choice that 15-year-old me made. And to this day, when I walk down by the river, it's a beautiful river here. Um, actually, it's very polluted and the council needs to do something about that. <laughs> 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 it could be beautiful. It definitely could be. I, I say good morning to every single person that passes me on the street. Every single person when I walk past and I make it like a real thing to do that. And sometimes when I'm walking with a friend, they'll be like, why do you do that? Like they don't even care that you're saying hello. I'm like, because I want to reinforce the fact that we're not strangers, right? We are human beings that are passing each other and that that I acknowledge the fact that you who are here and you exist. So many people go past in the world feeling like they don't exist because they've never been acknowledged by someone else. And it's, it's kind of crazy to think about, I think. And so that's where the kindness cards came in. It's like, how can I acknowledge the most amount of people as possible, which was the first like indirect offering of the kindness hub unofficially. It was just of Heather Miller's life. And then I started, <laughs> <laughs> then I started leveling up cat. I started thinking like, how can I take these cards and start like, like it's one thing to put it in a mailbox, but it's another thing to like hand it to a human being. Yep. Whole nother thing. <laughs> oh, the nerves. I'm telling you, it's like I had the butterflies in my stomach and they were <laughs> multiplying. They were multiplying. And so I would start handing these cards to people. And I handed a card to a woman on a train station and it said, just in case no one has told you today, you're beautiful, a stranger who cares and I handed it to this woman. Right. And then I walked away because, you know, it's creepy to stand there and watch someone read the note you gave them. Sometimes, sometimes it's really great. And, you know, they want to be a part of it. And so I basically ran away because I was also nervous. 
And then this woman starts screaming at me. She's like, come back here right now. I need like, and I was like, oh my God, I don't know what's happening. And I went back to this woman. (laughs) Oh my golly goodness me. You know when people do that and you're like, that was not the reaction I was thinking of. Like these are not the droids you were looking for. Like, yeah, hundred (laughs) percent. So pure terror comes in after that. Absolutely. I'm like, do I run or do I go back? And so I went back to her and I said, uh, are you okay? And she just put her hands on my shoulders. This was pre-COVID time, obviously. She put her hands on my shoulders and she started crying. And she said, thank you so much. No one has called me beautiful since the day my husband died. And it still gives me a shiver when I think about it. Now, all of these years later, over 10 years later, I still think about that moment. And how much I never knew the invisible life that she was living. But the courage inside of me to want to reach out was what, what made it everything. And the fact yeah. that I was scared and did it anyway was just another reminder that even when you're scared, just do it anyway. Just take one more step. Do one more thing. Keep moving forward when whatever that looks like for you. Sometimes moving forward can be taking a nap. Like it really doesn't matter what it is. There is no right or wrong. There just, there just is. And just choose what feels right for you and follow that rightness. And it, yeah, it was just such a beautiful, beautiful moment. Every time I've heard you say that, it still gives me this, this overwhelming sense of just gratitude. And, and you're right. You don't know what the person sitting next to you on the train is going through or the house that has drug deals happening out the front every time you walk past it. You don't know what's going on in their lives, but if you approach a situation with kindness rather than negativity, often things happen in a much, much nicer way. And I heard this quote the other day and all I could think about was this is young Heather and this is heaven, like heaven now. And it's that one day you'll tell a story of how you've overcome what you're going through now. And it will be part of somebody else's survival guide. Hmm. That's beautiful. And young Heather went through so many different things and you came out of it like, you know, I'm going to make my community better. I'm going to make people's lives better. And, and you've done that and you've inspired so many other people to do that. Mm, thank you, Kat. There's a, there's another quote um, that you just made me think of that I love and I forgive me. I don't know who's the author, but it says, have you really come this far to only go this far? I like that. <laughs> Gives me like, kind of makes me tear up a little bit. Like, have you come this far to only, to only go this far? Mm-hmm. And when you think about your life and everything that has unfolded in a different way, shape and form, and the magnitude of what that has been in your world and your story and your movie, have you come this far to only go this far? Like just keep going is what I hear when I hear that. Mm-hmm. Just keep going because you have made it through like, what is it? A hundred percent of the days that you, you've had so far. So <laughs> yeah. go on, like A plus to you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like the, the percentage that you even exist is so small that of course you're here for a reason. You might not know it yet. You might be currently in those that hard time and you don't know what your survival guide's going to look like, but it's all part of your your roadmap to success and everyone's roadmap looks different. 
And to know that you don't have to have all the answers. You totally don't have to have all the answers. And you don't even have to know what you want to do or what your purpose in life is. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what my purpose in life is. I just <laughs> keep on keeping on in what feels great and what feels in alignment. And the kindness hub for me feels in alignment, right? Going and running school programs, doing coaching, having weird times making puns and cartoons for the world to see <laughs> is something that makes me really happy. And so I do that. Do I have many times where I sit on my bedroom floor and cry and think like, what am I doing? Yes, I do. Do I have times where I'm ecstatic and joyful and dancing in the park and waving to strangers? Yes, I do. And I will always remember, <laughs> always remember this time. I don't know when it was, but it was years and years ago. And I was sitting on the floor in front of my bed. I was sitting there and I just felt so much like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I think I was in the middle of the HSE, to be honest. And I was like, man, this is so stressful. I'm never going to get the marks I want. I'm not going to be able to blah, blah, blah. You know, the stories get running in your head. And I sat there with tears in my eyes and I, I heard my Facebook ding and I'd gotten a message and I had gotten a message from a friend's sister who was three or four years below us. And, and like, not even a good friend, like just, you know, an acquaintance and her sister. And she had messaged me with this long message being like, Heather, I'm really struggling right now. Um, you always know what to do. Like you seem to have the answers. Like, you know, do you, could you give me a bit of advice on X, Y, and Z? Um, I'm just, I just don't know what to do from here. Right. So she basically just written how I felt as well. And I looked at it and I started laughing like that creep. We know I have the creepy <laughs> laugh, like the creepy crying laugh where you're like, ha, 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 I don't know what to do either. And in that moment I wrote her like a, I think it was like 50 things to 50 ways to not feel like shit. I think that was what I wrote her. I just sat there and just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote all of the things that I had done previously in my life that had helped. And by helping her, it helped me tremendously because then I suddenly remembered all of these things that I used to do that I wasn't doing, which is why I was feeling like a bag of potatoes. And it, it was just, it was such a beautiful moment to, to have that. And it's funny how people can be our greatest mirrors in that time and just realizing you don't have to know what to do. Like <laughs> sitting on my floor she's like you have the answers please help me I'm like oh if only you knew like <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all been in that place <laughs> completely you just got to be once you just got to keep moving just one step at a time that's it one step forward three steps back whatever it is you're still moving that's, that's called dancing <laughs> <laughs> and you love dancing and that's what I love about you you go and dance in the park that's what you were doing before we got on this call Yes, it is. I was so dancing in the park and it was absolutely fantastic. And that, and that as well, you know what, just low key secrets about Heather, that as well is something that I started doing because I was too afraid to do it. And whenever there's something in my life that pops up where I don't want to do it because I feel too scared to, it's almost like, I'm like, great. Well, that's the thing I'm doing then. Like, come on, let's go. 
and it's a soccer field and it's on the corner of this uh, this giant busy street right so there are so many cars going past all the time there's like fence and trees and stuff but you know you can you can see if there's someone dancing in the middle of the soccer field and so i used to go there as my um get out of my compass road stretch thing i'd be like all right this is it you're going to listen to your headphones and you're going to dance in the park I would feel so nervous and my hands would be sweaty and I just keep doing it. And now I've been doing it for years and dance on the beach and dance, walk and dance in the shopping center, dance everywhere because I didn't want that to be something that was holding me back. Yeah. It's often those things that we're, we're scared of or being terrified of that are the game changers for us, but too many people are just too terrified to step out of that comfort zone, step out of that, you know, comfort bubble to mm. see, you know, what's actually out there, what's actually on that other side of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Completely. And like, give yourself like, give yourself a break, <laughs> you know, jumping out of your comfort zone doesn't have to be like going straight into something that terrifies you. You know, when you're, uh, when you're exercising or maybe you don't like exercising, imagine exercising, when you're like, okay, just run, you know, just a hundred more meters or you're like, just lift two more weights or you're like, you know, just write one more thing, whatever it may be for you. And you give yourself those kind of those um, small goalposts. That's the best thing to do when it comes to doing things outside of your comfort zone as well. Give yourself small goalposts. Be like, I'm just going to dance to one song. And once it's finished, that's okay. I can stop dancing. Like it's done right? Just give yourself, like, cut yourself a break and know that you don't have to be everything all at once. You can, you're welcome to take your time. There is so much time. Yeah. There's an abundance of time for you to achieve something. Um, there's too much pressure, I think, on young people to, you have this goal, you have to achieve it by this certain time. But, you know, sometimes the distractions along the way to the goal are, are ultimately the thing that, is than your new goal and your new future. And that's exactly right. Don't, don't pressure yourself into doing something. Do little steps along the way. Mm. Um, and that's the best way you can achieve something. Completely. Oh, goodness me. I remember being in the, my first semester of university, which my careers advisor in high school, by the way, told me I was never going to be smart enough to go to university. That was literally my career advisor's wisdom. So um, don't listen to people, <laughs> just listen, just listen to you. Unless they're smarter than you and you agree with them, don't listen to them. I have no trust in career advisors. I mean, I have no trust in any of it because my high school principal told me I'd never achieve anything in life. So. Oh, that's supportive. We love a good supportive. <laughs> lives. Proven wrong people, proven wrong. Oh gosh. Yeah. We all have those people. It's all right. You just love them on their path. My friend, always says that if someone is um if someone is being crazy if they're being mean whatever it is it's like most probably just because they need a hug you like see someone like we were were driving the other day and someone jay walked in front of us and it's like pretty dangerous and i just looked at that person i'm like look at her she most definitely needs a hug she just risked her life walking in front of our car ridiculous Everybody needs a hug. Sending all the virtual hugs to people right now. Whoever's listening, if you need a hug, we're sending it to you. Do you know, Kat, I, um, I had the great privilege of speaking to a friend just the other day in Ireland. And 
it only occurred to me how beautiful the fact that we were talking was when I was getting ready for this podcast. Now, I was in Ireland only briefly last year and I went to an international storytelling festival of Ireland. It was, it was phenomenal. It was amazing. It was on this tiny little Island, the most Southern point of Ireland called Cape clear. And it lived up to its name because it was like, your mind is clear. Everything is clear. It's just so picturesque and divine. And we're on our ferry ride home. And uh, you know, you're just chatting to random people at that point. Uh, and I heard this woman sneeze and she was like two people away from me, like standing on the, like on the edge of the, of the boat and she sneezed. And I really went out of my way to say, bless you. Like it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was just one of those times. Like I really went out of my way to be like, bless you. Like, how are you feeling today? Are you feeling Okay. And she just looked at me like, oh, yeah. And she's the most Irish accent you've ever heard, like flaming red hair, like super pale skin. <laughs> like she is Ireland. She's the vision of Ireland. Her name is Fanula. Like, you know, like she is Ireland. <laughs> Everything I dreamed I love to be. <laughs> we started chatting just from this bless you, right? We just started having a bit of a conversation because when you, when you think that every stranger is a friend you haven't met yet, that's what they become. Like when you treat people like they're your long lost best friend, usually you get the best out of people. Sometimes people don't care. They don't want to talk to you at all. That's completely fine. It's irrelevant to you because the way that you show up is the only thing that you have control of. And the way that other people show up, well, that's their party. Like let them be a part of it. Anyways, this woman, Fanula, we had a cracking conversation. We had such a fantastic time talking um, and et cetera, et cetera. It, it was amazing. And what we actually really bonded over, and I've not told this story before, but what we really bonded over was when I was, um, when I was leaving the, the island, I actually had an encounter with someone there that was not something that I wanted. It wasn't something that that, that I enjoyed. And usually in the past, I wouldn't say something to that person because I felt like, oh, you know, who am I to say something? Like it's, you know, it's fine. I'm leaving. It doesn't matter. Like whatever it may be. And this particular day I decided to choose a, a new end to my story. And I actually sat this person down um, and they were like, well, like, are you having a good day? And I was like, actually, I'm not having a good day because of, this experience that we had, we shared earlier today. And I would like to tell you about why it's, why it's not okay and why it makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, and this person just looked at me like, I can't believe you're actually saying this to me right now. Like I thought we were going to kind of brush this under the rug and like, I was never going to see this person again. They were a stranger. And at the, at the end, you, they said, why, why, why are you taking the time to tell me this? Like, you're never going to see me again. And I said, I'm like, I feel like you're a good person. I like to believe that about everyone and that people are not their actions. And I wanted to tell you this and express this to how the uncomfortableness that you've made me feel, because I really think that you're a good person. You can do better next time. And I hope that through this honesty, that it actually is really, it's going to make a difference for you moving forward. Because I know it's making a difference for me moving forward to speak my truth in this moment. And they just looked at me like with that face of like, 
I, I don't even uh, know what to say. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like of like, what? And it was such a big moment for me. And as soon as we finished speaking and walked away, I started crying. It was just such a, it was such a moment of bravery and courage to have that conversation. And I think if we had all had more conversations like that and just really being authentically expressing how we feel, um, especially in times when our boundaries get crossed or whatever it might be, that there, it would very much help help people to learn and grow moving forward, including ourselves. And I actually started talking to Fanula on the, the ferry about that situation. Cause when someone asks you, how are you? It's easy to just say, Oh, I'm good. It's, it's a little bit more of a practice to actually say how you're feeling. And I was like, actually I'm feeling brave at the moment. I'm feeling a bit nervous, but I'm feeling mostly brave. And then that started an, an authentic conversation between two strangers that now exists one whole year later and we still connect via Zoom and have great chats and voice notes and pictures and whatever it may be. Like, I cannot wait till she comes to Australia. I cannot wait till I go to Ireland to see her and meet her family and everything in between. And none of that would happen have happened without the authentic authenticity to actually be vulnerable and, and express how you feel because not everyone's in your life for forever. Like that's absolutely not a reality. In fact, we can't keep everyone. It's, it's just too, it's too many tabs to keep a hold of people. (laughs) (laughs) Too many, but people can definitely uh, be in your moments in your life for real moments. Like I like to fill my time with real connections with humans and have like that moment as if it, you will never have that moment with them ever again. Yeah, that just takes me to this, possibly one of my all-time favorite quotes, and it's one you said to me not that long ago. It's currently on my my whiteboard, and it's love people while they're in front of you. Love people while they're in front of you. Oh, I think a wise person said that. Yes, wise (laughs) Miss Heather Miller. Absolutely, love people while they're in front of you. You never, ever know when that person is going to transform into something else you never know whether it be their personality whether it be their essence whether whatever it is and part of it too is is loving strangers while you're in front of them that might be the only bit of love they get that day week month year even but if you if you give that love you get it back is how i see it It and it might not be back from that person but it, yeah, it just it just is in the world. Like when you are that thing, when you vibrate as love, when you are kindness, when you are gratitude, it's what you are. Like it's a magnet. It's a huge, huge magnet. And it's what will keep coming back to you over and over and over again. There's one thing I've been practicing tirelessly. You know, when you try to think of words and they just don't come. So you make up your own ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's one thing I've been practicing though, uh, especially during this year, and that has been as soon as I feel myself going into a state of, um, of like a slump or I, um, maybe I have a conversation with someone that like wasn't, didn't leave me feeling, um, how I want to be feeling in my life, or I, I just wake up and don't feel great, whatever it might be. I literally shake it off. I will stand up and I will physically shake my body off and be like to shake myself into a new state of being. Like it is such a powerful thing to do because 
your vibe attracts your tribe. We've heard that over and over and over and over again. Your vibe also creates your life. So it does. Right. So if you get stuck in a vibe that is, you're like, oh, you know, everything just sucks. Everything's going to suck. But if you're like, you know, okay, everything feels like it sucks right now. What can I do to shake this off? I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to put my body in the sunshine. I'm going to go and smell a freaking flower if I have to, like whatever that looks like. My youngest brother, Scott, he's such a champion of the world. Uh, Once I was so angry at him. You know, when you're just, you're mad at people who you really love and you don't even know why. I was so mad at him and uh, (laughs) like for no reason. And I was standing on the driveway and he literally came over to me and he picked me up and I was, that just made me even more mad. He picked me up and moved me like just a, like a, a meter to the left, right? Just moved me over to the left. And I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he said, <laughs> he, he said, uh, I just wanted to move you to a better place, Heather. It seemed like you weren't in a very good place. <laughs> oh, you can so tell you guys are siblings. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's just moments like that, right, where I just started laughing. I was so angry and I just started laughing because he's right. You know, I wasn't in a good place. I had to be physically moved to a better place. <laughs> I love that so much. No, I'm not saying go and pick up strangers and do that. That is definitely not. (laughs) That is a no-go zone. Ask for permission always. Oh, that's so good. Oh, I can just imagine that. Just Scott just picking you up and moving you over and you just being red, furious, steam coming out your ears. (laughs) I just want to move to a better place. Yeah, I'm like, I just want to murder you. Like, But, you know, I'm not acting on that, am I? Not actually. Oh, so For the listeners good. at home, obviously not actually. Untapped Magic was born from Magic Moments Foundation's youth programs, helping young people follow their passions and step into their greatness. If you want to dig a little deeper or know someone that does, or if you're just wanting to know more about what we do at Magic Moments, visit www.magicmoments.org.au. Um, Kat, I actually wanted to um, share a story that makes my heart warm and fluffy and I feel like it might make your heart warm and fluffy too. Oh, I love warm and fluffy stories. <laughs> yes. And it's actually, um, it's very much about the sentiment of loving people while they're in front of you, no matter what the outside is saying, right? Because people forget to tell their face how they feel. They, 100%. Tr- they truly do. People forget to tell their face. Have you ever caught yourself in a reflection, like when you're scrolling on your phone and you're like, oh man, like, is, is that what my face looks like right now? Or like in a, in a mirror or you see someone else and you're like, are you okay? And they're like, I'm the happiest I've ever been. And their face looks like someone just poured hot water on their eyeballs. And you're like, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I used to be the person that had that, you know, that resting angry face and I made it really big mission that I would always be smiling. But now that I wear a mask 24 seven, you can't really see that, but I'm like, you can see it in my eyes that I'm happy at least. I hope you can, you can smile, hundred percent smile with your eyes. People notice people feel it. Um, so I was on a bus I was traveling through Colorado. Last year, I traveled through North America for four months solo. 
and I got the great privilege of going and staying with different friends and seeing incredible sights and just being magical all around. When I was traveling through Colorado, I was on a Greyhound bus. Now, a Greyhound bus is one of the cheapest modes of transport. Also, once you get out of prison in America, you get a ticket for a Greyhound bus to take you home. It was the day before Christmas. It was Christmas Eve. I thought, was it Christmas? Yeah, it was Christmas Eve. And I'm traveling on this bus to get to where I'm going to spend Christmas. And my beautiful, dearest friend, Carolyn, had helped me bake a cake for the people I was going to see. And it was, oh, it was so delicious. And, and I had presents from across my journey and I had some presents to give to the people I was, I was going to see and everything in between. And the bus was delayed. It was so delayed. We were sitting in this bus depot in the middle of, I don't know where I was, but for a very long time. And sitting there, I thought like, what a great opportunity. We all get to be together for Christmas Eve, new friends. And, and people are getting mad at this point, right? Of course they are because they want to get home. They want to see their families and, and everything in between. And so I started kind of just chatting to a couple of people and as you do, you collect them all together and it's lovely. And so then you get onto the, when the bus finally arrived, we got on as friends, not as like enemies who all hate each other and are going to get stuck in the snow and, and not be able to make it home for Christmas. So it was, it was very beautiful. And there was a man that was sitting in front of me on the bus whom I hadn't spoken to, um, which, which sounds funny. I hadn't spoken to this one man on the bus, but I knew the person who was sitting next to me and I knew the, the man who was sitting next to her, like across from her. And I knew the people that were behind us, like, and I just caught his eye in the reflection on the bus window. So I said, hello. And uh, me and this gentleman exchanged a couple of words and he was kind of like leaning back behind his, um, his chair against the window talking to me and I was talking to him and I asked him like, you know, it's Christmas. Like, are you excited? You might get some presents. And he, he did not seem excited, you know, right. His face was like a brick wall. Um, and I was like, are you excited? Do you get to go home? Are you going to go see anyone? And he looked at me and he was like, listen, there's no Christmas for people like me. And I'm like, what do you mean? Because Christmas for everyone. And I'm like, is it against your religious beliefs? Is that why there's no Christmas? Like, you could have happy holiday instead. And he's like, no, there is no happy holidays. There is no Christmas. He's like, I've just come out of prison. I've been in prison for the past, I don't remember the amount of years that he said, but it was something like 15, 20 years. He's like, I've been in prison for yeah. a very long time. I've just come out of prison. This is my bus ticket home. He's like, I don't even know what is at home anymore. I don't really know what I'm walking into, but I definitely don't have anyone who's going to be waiting to give me a present as I've just come out of jail. And he kind of looked at me with that face of like, are you happy now? Like, you know, the face of like, is that the answer you wanted? Then I looked at him and I was like, I was like, well, congratulations for making it out of jail. Like <laughs> I didn't know what else to say really. Congratulations <laughs> for making it out of jail. And he kind of just looked at me like, you're a freak. And I was like, yes, yes, I am. And he kind of turned around and we kept, we kept driving. And it was in that moment that I remembered that we get to love people while they're in front of us. And I thought, how can I 
how can I love this man while he's in front of me when he doesn't feel like anyone in the world cares about him, not even himself. And I went through my little bag of goods that I had with me, my, my worldly possessions. And I selected a couple of random things that I had been saving up. And I had also a little gift bag, a Christmas bag and a little Christmas card. And I started putting things together in this bag because I was like, screw you thinking no one's going to give you a Christmas present. I'm going to give you a Christmas present, sir. And so I started collecting these little things and putting them together. And then the, the girl beside me, she was kind of like, what are you doing? Because she'd seen it, our interaction take place. And I told her, I'm like, dude, the guy just got out of prison. He doesn't have anyone to give him a present. So I'm going to make him one and I'm going to write him a card. And she said, I'm an artist. Should I draw him a picture? I'm going to draw him a picture. And I was like, yes, absolutely. You draw him a picture. And then it was so good. And then the guy beside her, who was an an elderly man, um, had kind of been, he'd been paying attention to us because we looked after his bags and vice versa in the thing. So, you know, he, he had an eye on us, like making sure we're okay. Um, and he kind of was looked at us, me puzzling. And I told him briefly what was going on in like a real creepy ninja way. And I said, do you want to write on the card too? And he was like, yeah, I'll write a card. So I'm tearing paper out of my book and giving everyone the, like everyone, these three people, like, paper so she can draw her art he can write a card and then I'm sitting there writing a card and I wrote him this really long card and it basically said something like sometimes it feels like we're at an end when it's actually a beginning and it's easy to it's easy to think that your life is a as a summation of everything that's happened beforehand and that you are your past and like, but it's not the truth. It's not the reality. Every single day you get to choose what you want your future to be by creating it. And I, I said something like, I'm, I'm so grateful that I got to meet you on the, your birthday, your birthday, the day you got out of jail to start the new life of your dreams. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm honored. And I, and I wrote some more things. I had, I don't really remember what it was now. And I wrote some more things and it was, it was so freaking sweet. Now that I think about it, I'm like kind of crying. And, um, we, uh, we spoke some more like as the bus continued and we all kind of laughed together He He wasn't laughing, but in the inside, I think he was. And when I got off the bus at my stop, um, many hours later, just as I was getting off, I reached, he was at the very, very front seat. I stood in front of him and I held out this little Christmas bag <laughs> and I, and I held it out to him. And I just remember just having this such intense eye contact that we shared together. And I said, sir, because everyone calls each other, sir and ma'am in America, I said, sir, everyone deserves a present on Christmas. This is for you. And I, hand- <laughs> and I handed it to him and he just looked at me like a mixture of like, I just killed his puppy slash given him a puppy, you know, like, of like, I don't know what to do. I handed it to him and he just didn't take his eyes off me and didn't even look at the, like, didn't even look at the present, just kept staring at me like I'm about to implode with tears. And I smiled and I said, 
Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever makes you happy, like see you later in another life and got off the bus. And the, the older man and the girl that was next to me, they got off the bus too. He was going to some far away, deep in the mountains place with the rest of the bus people. And we were standing in the bus, like takes a minute to leave and et cetera. And we're standing out on the, um, on the footpath and it's snowing and, it, and everything else in between. He kind of looks in the bag. I'm watching him, of course, through the window, like a creep, see him look in the bag and like, see that there's like wrapped presents inside and there's drawings and cards. And he just looked at me and then he's st- like staring out the window. And I just saw like this one single tear, like just fall. Like his face still looked like concrete, but just like this one tear, like fall. And he just kind of looked at me and just waved, but without waving. Like, you know, when people just hold up their hand still like to say goodbye, but they're not waving at you. And he just kind of did that. And then the bus left. I think about that moment because I didn't have to do that. You know, I didn't have to um, make a birthday, sorry, birthday slash Christmas slash holiday present for this random man um, that I met on a random bus going into the mountains. But when he told me that, and when I felt like there wasn't such an opportunity to show this person love in my mind, there was actually no other option. Like to me, that was the, that was the normal course of action. Like, (laughs) of course I'm going to do this. And I think that that comes from, from programming and practicing over and over and over and over again, letting our brains think what's the best course of action here? How can I add some more goodness into the world right now? How can I love people while I'm, while they're in front of me? I, I love that story because no matter if it's a random stranger who doesn't have Christmas or, or no matter what it is, people often are think that they're the epitome of, of what they've been and you didn't have to do that to him. A lot of people wouldn't have even acknowledged him, but you said, no, stuff that I'm going to, I'm going to love this person, I'm going to show this person love and I'm, and I'm going to give this person some bit of hope and some bit of positivity in a really tough time. And, you know, I think that points me towards my very last question, which is, you know, what is the time in your life that you've laughed the most? Um, I'm just going to use this example because it's the first thing that came to my mind. It was at Magic Moments. It was <laughs> it was at camp. And <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, I came to Magic Moments when I was 15 years old. So I came as a participant. I came as a youth leader. I came as a all the things in between, and now come as a speaker and come as a facilitator. Like I've completely been through that journey. Highly recommend out of 10, but I'm biased, obviously. (laughs) And one of the years when I was there, one of my dearest soul sisters, Riley, she's from Magic Moments also. We were sharing a room. We had this great little room down the bottom in the cabins. And I went to the room before she got there and there was this cupboard right it was like this cupboard and at the top there was like this shelf as well like on the top and I like I looked at the cupboard and for some reason I just like I just envisioned Riley 
in like hiding in the top of the cupboard, like on the top shelf. And I just had this vision. I was like, that's super weird. Like, but that'd be funny. Like I didn't think about it again. I didn't say anything. I just kind of left, you know, I just left the room, went back to eat lunch, whatever it was. And then later on in the day, this is the first day I come back to the room and I open the door and I, there's no one in there. And I'm like, cool. And then I go to open the cupboard. And freaking Riley is on, is exactly where I thought she was going to be the last time, hiding in the cupboard. And I'm like, what are you doing inside the cupboard? It's like, I just saw it and I thought, this is the most perfect place to scare you. And I'm like, dude, this is honestly where I would have hidden. I already had this vision. Like, I was waiting for the perfect time. And we both just started laughing and laughing and laughing. I think I peed my pants a little bit, to be perfectly honest. Like, it was a situation. And I just, oh. I love that so much. She probably came from Narnia. Hey, like. (laughs) The thing is, I know the cupboard too. And I know exactly where you mean, um, which makes it even more funny. And, And I know Riley too. So, I can just, I hope she listens to this and she has a little cackle. Um, oh my God. I love that. It's so good. It's so good. Also, Riley and I um, always did this, like this weird dance at Magic Moments. Not weird. It's fun. It's like where you monkey grip hold someone's arm diagonally across from you. So you're like, my right arm would be with her right arm and you'd hold each other. So I'd hold her wrist and she'd hold my wrist and then you make it so it's it's taut so there's tension between your arms so it's strong um and then you drop down like into a squat like as low as you can on the ground while leaning back and then your other arm your like left arm is like touching the floor and then you jump back up again so it's like the most intense like thigh butt workout ever but it also just looks really cool because when you come back up you jump back up you swap arms and so we do this we would keep swapping arms and we'd always do it on the dance floor because you know you just look super badass doing it the only challenge is that's never spoken about is that the next day depending on how many um squat drop dance moves that you have done with the riley curtain um you you can't feel your thighs anymore you can't feel your legs and it's so painful to walk and you're just trying your most hardest to just be a normal person but you know in your head that you can never tell anyone that it's from the dance move because it makes it so much less cool and now i've just told all of you so um take that with you to secret. the grave <laughs> it's a secret don't tell anyone but i can teach you the dance you just you just come holler heather it's always an absolute pleasure to talk to you and hear about your insight to what a world of kindness looks like and i hope that every single person one gets to meet you because it is an absolute pleasure but two at least gets a little bit of hope and positivity out of this conversation i'd love to leave you guys with a a quote that i actually keep on my fridge it's it's a beautiful little quote this is an irish blessing i think it's very fitting since we spoke about fanula the greatest irish person of all time May the road rise to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. May the rains fall softly upon your fields. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Magic Moments Foundation. 